0: One of my very first deals, I had somebody go out as like my boots on the ground and he went and bought the house with a quick claim deed. This is like, I didn't even know what a quick claim deed was. I didn't know you could even do that. He bought the house for 500 bucks. And then I I had a buyer and everything were entitled. And um, they tell me, oh, the property is sold to guess who the freaking JV the the boots on the ground so that was a big stab in the back and I totally called him out on it a year later right because in that time I've like built up my brand I'm on Instagram I'm on YouTube like now people actually like me and care about me and are promoting me a year later I get a cash out
1: you're listening to the
2: Azria show If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career.
1: And welcome to another episode of The Azria Show. I am your host, Marcus Maloney, and we have our co-host and executive director, Mike Delpreet here with us today. How you doing, Hello. Mike? Great,
2: great, great. I'm excited for today. We have a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. So what are we going to be talking about? So today I want to introduce you to Tadi Tidiment she is a virtual wholesaler. She's actually just north of us in Las Vegas. She's in the Las Vegas market, but she wholesales across the country. So even in our own backyard, Mesa, so all of you guys that are local say, hey, you can't find deals here in town. She's finding deals right here in town and she's in Las Vegas. So Toddie, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's excellent to talk to you again cuz I know that me and you have, we have spoken before and you were kind of getting the ball rolling, getting things going. So, let's let's share with the listeners your background. How did you get started in real estate? What did you do before real estate?
0: Yeah, so I was actually a waitress here in Vegas on the strip at um in Italy at La Pizza La Pasta, a little Italian restaurant. So, my life was basically serving really drunk people on the strip. It was fun. I made a decent amount of money, but I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. During that time, I started and failed like six businesses like Amazon FBA, trying to start a cleaning company. And I really didn't want to work for anyone else. But what interesting was how I was making money. I'm a single mom. So I was taking care of my son. And that's just all I knew. So COVID happened. And like everybody else, I got laid off. Unemployment was $350 a week. And I pretty much was backed into a corner had to figure something out. And I, one guy had came to the restaurant and left a card that said real estate problem solver. And that's kind of how I got into the world of researching wholesaling, like while I was still a waitress. So at that time, I just reached out to him in a DM and he pointed me towards a book. If you can't wholesale after this, I don't know what to tell you or something like that by Todd Fleming. I read the book and I started to kind of do what he said to do in Vegas. And it was really, really hard. So in that time, I'm in in like a YouTube wormhole watching Brant Daniels, watching Jerry Norton, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody on YouTube was saying, just start calling people on a dialer. Don't don't overthink it. Just jump into it. So I got a list in Vegas, got on the dialer, and it was a bloodbath. Everyone was hanging up on me, cussing me out. I was like losing morale really quickly. And I did Mm -hmm. it for two weeks. And at this time it's COVID. So I don't have anything else to do. So I'm doing it for like eight hours a day. And it was horrible. I was feeling bad. And then I came across a video on YouTube where someone was talking about virtual wholesaling and mm-hmm. it was um con wholesale to millions. And he was wholesaling in North Carolina or something like that. And he lived somewhere else. So I figured, all right, if he's doing that, I could probably do that. And I was in all these Facebook groups wholesaling at that time. And I kept seeing these like $20,000 houses in Ohio And I'm like, all right, maybe if nobody wants to sell their house in Vegas, maybe someone will sell a $20,000 house in Ohio. So I pulled an Ohio list following YouTube suggestions. You Mm -hmm. know, I had no really money to pay for a mentor or anything like that. So I'm just trying to figure it out for free. And I will say it was like a combination of hours on the dialer, but also some luck and timing. But I ended up getting six deals in my first month. Wow, wow. Wow! <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a, a big learning curve. Did you have like anybody helping you along? Like maybe someone you could reach out to, a mentor or just a friend. It's like, hey, how do I get this through? Because when I said we had a lot to talk about, because that's when I started virtual wholesaling, I picked Cleveland as well. So there's a learning curve there. Me being in the business, I started with at the time of eight or nine years and just dealing with people in slow Ohio is a big uh-huh. di- so so how'd you do how'd you formulate six deals
0: so it was me being on the phone all day and night I'll say I'll give a lot of credit to that so my mom was watching my son so I literally sat in a corner of my room with my vision board in front of me and I was spent and I'm not even joking about these hours people always think Mm -hmm. I'm making this up but literally like six to eight hours cold calling sellers But then I needed somebody on the ground to take the pictures for me. So I posted an ad on Craigslist and I got like 30 replies and I would just call those guys. They're contractors who are like out of work because of COVID or whatever. And Mm -hmm. they started telling me all about Cleveland. Oh, you should get houses on the West side because they're building this hospital and all these different things. And I started to learn about the market through these boots on the ground. And then when I came across real estate issues, like, squatters, evictions, things like that. I would just ask in these free Facebook groups, like all these free Facebook groups have real investors in there. And I would post like, okay, I have a potential deal, but they're squatters. What can I do? And then I would just get like 30 responses. Some of them would just be people being mean, but it. I had to realize that with this whole trying to do real estate thing, there's going to be a lot of like jerks out there. So I just would ignore them and filter to the people who are actually trying to help. And with that, I did end up finding people in Cleveland that I could ask about neighborhoods that I could ask about deals. A couple of them did go behind my back on a couple of deals over time, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. It's just a part of it. it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a part of it. So I didn't let any of those things stop me just because I had once that first seller said, yes, I want to sell. That was like my proof of concept that it was going to work. And that first deal was an almost fifteen thousand dollar deal. Okay,
1: so first deal, almost fifteen thousand. You're in Vegas, properties in Cleveland. You had boots on the ground, walk the property, and everything like that. So, guys, you're listening. It's not impossible. Me and Mike tell you this all the time. You know, go ahead, Mike.
2: No, I mean a couple of things. I don't want to overlook is the resourcefulness that you use mm-hmm. to Absolutely. make it, work. and. We should, you also said you called six, eight hours a day. And like, that's what I, I like to tell people, especially when they're new or in any, in wholesaling specifically or anything, you, you, you got to pick that one thing and go all in and do it all day long and get better at it and follow up and keep going. A deal will happen. So you're proof. Yeah, I love that. Yep, I actually
0: yep. recently learned a word for it. It's called assiduity. And it's the ability to sit on your ass for a very long period of time. And I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> but i think because yeah. of all the jobs i've worked i have a lot of that i can sit down and do the same thing if i know i'm going to make money i will sit here for 2 weeks <laughs> and do it
2: <laughs> oh, awesome True. so 15k in the first deal six deals man what what title company did you even start with
0: so okay. i started with title co title co title okay. that's a good one yeah. all right yeah they know me if you say toddy they'll be like our toddy cuz i did all my deals with them for a really long time and there you go. Uh, I mean, title companies are so cool because there's so many of them, but if you get a good one and you can form a relationship, they'll help you a lot themselves. Like they mm-hmm. mentored me in a sense.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I assigned a deal to two people once and they explained to me why I can't do that. And to me, <laughs> I'm doing it as a backup. I'm like, if the first guy doesn't close, I got to have somebody else. And they were like, right. um, that's not legal. I was like, oh no, I didn't know that. <laughs>
1: Hey, you only learn by doing.
0: That's true. <laughs>
1: That's true. But like, you, like Mike was saying, you're very resourceful because you said, but I don't know this market. I'm just going to post an ad on Craigslist and just start talking to the contractors, talking to people. You weren't, you wasn't afraid. You didn't let those roadblocks stop you and you overcame. And because of that, you ended up being successful. And that's one of the things that we tell people is you got to break through those barriers. And once you break through those barriers, you will have that halo because now it's like everything will seem to work. It would all seem to line up, but you got to get through that, get through that time. What were some of the things that you were going through psychologically before you closed that first deal? If you can remember. Because you came through COVID, laid off, you have a son, you're no money, not working, and then you're on the phone for eight hours a day and people are telling you, screw you, I'm not doing this. Kind of, what were you you going through?
0: Before I switched to the Cleveland market, I was thinking that this doesn't work and all these people on YouTube are just scammers. Like, they're making this up. This doesn't work. And they're just trying to sell something. And I started getting, I'm not going to lie, I started getting really discouraged. I... What was scary for me was I felt like I was on like a deadline. Like if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? I am It's. I don't mm-hmm. have a way to make money. I don't have a way to to pay rent. I have whatever in my savings. How am I even going to continue to pay bills and keep a roof and food for my family? So I was under a lot of pressure at 25 years old. I had my son mm-hmm. when I was 21. So I was super young and it was scary. It was really scary. But I would say I didn't have a choice but to make the best of every single call, every single yeah. potential agreement. Every time I would send a contract, I would just close my eyes and just imagine imagine it signed before I started to psych myself out. And I would, I had all these little strategies to psych myself into continuing to call. I had a little, I had a thing on my wall that said, nobody will outwork me. And then I had a thing on my, like, I would write notes to myself. I had a note on on the side of me and it was like, just make one more call. So every time I'd get really, really discouraged, I'd be like, okay, just make one more call. And the cool thing about a dialer is it doesn't stop dialing unless you stop it. So I would, if I wanted to stop dialing, I'd be like, okay, don't, don't stop. Like every time someone cusses me out, the next person is going to say yes. And I would just do all these little Jedi mind tricks to myself because I knew if I stopped, I might stop for real and never, never Mm -hmm. again. Never get anything. <laughs>
2: I have a question for that. So when that, when you say, hey, I'm going to call for an hour or whatever it is, right? But then you know when it's like that mark where it's like five minutes left, you're like, no, I'll just stop now. I ain't not, what, have you the magic in sticking it out that last five minutes or that last or the next three calls like you would tell yourself, have you ever gotten lucky or struck gold by sticking it out after you had to tell yourself to push
0: it's like every time it's like every time it's so weird it's like every time it's Mm -hmm. like god the universe whatever you want to say gives you a little gift because you did it and my thing wasn't ours it was i have to talk to 20 people a day like i have to have 20 conversations and get past the point of don't talk to me boom hang up if they hang up it doesn't count like 20 oh who is this oh you're talking about that house Mm -hmm. and the cool thing was i'm not gonna lie because this is i do this full time now it was covid and everyone was home everyone was worried about what was going to happen. So people were willing to sell that extra house. And I happened to pull an absentee vacant list on top of that. So the only people I'm talking to is people who don't live in the house and it's vacant. So it was, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. It was a combination of those perfect things came together because six deals in a month as a single person is really not typical. That's, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not typical. It it was, I got lucky in, in the fact that those three things happened, but at the same time, like, I would be on person 13 and be tired and my eyes would hurt from looking at the computer and my mom would be like, you haven't eaten or drinking water today. And I'd be feeling guilty for not being around my son. And those were all really hard things to deal with. I felt like a terrible mom, but I had to tell myself, if you want any of those things on your vision board, and I still, I always have a vision board on my wall right in front of me when I work. Feel any of those things, like this is just a part of it. And it was really hard. It was really hard yeah. to get through that time.
1: One thing I can say, Tadi, is that, I don't want you to say that you were lucky because it was the opportunity meets the preparation and the persistence. If you wouldn't have went through all of the persistence and being prepared, then that luck wouldn't have happened. Because think about all of the other people that were thinking the same thing. They were thinking like, OK, it's COVID. Nobody want to sell their house. How am I going to get in touch with them? How am I going to walk the property? It's COVID. So people were looking at it the totally different direction, but you were looking at it as, hey, everybody's home because nobody can go anywhere. They have an extra house. They need to sell it. There's uncertainty in in the market. So because you took that positive mindset, you were able to close those six deals versus somebody else that got started at the same time and they just never did anything.
0: You're right. Because if I would have gave up after Vegas kicked me down, then I wouldn't have got the luck of Cleveland. So you're right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Question. Um,
2: I remember how did it feel when you went from calling Vegas to calling Cleveland?
0: The I was difference. talking to I was talking to everybody, and it was Isn't so good. Yeah. People wanted to talk for, and mm-hmm. I I was the person I would talk to somebody for an hour and a half. I didn't care. I learned I know all of their kids' names, their brothers and sisters. Like I was just trying to figure out what the heck I was doing. So I didn't mind. Mm-hmm. And that was my that was my uh that was like they my did. little secret weapon of just talking to them forever until they really liked me and i would tell them i've never done a deal i'm trying to find a house to
1: trust build trust, trust yep or, yeah. trust. So, and, and, i don't
2: know i'm sorry I, wait, I, yeah. I just know from being in phoenix like how competitive it's just like vegas right so it's when i started calling cleveland it was just like hey yeah what you got it's amazing and then that's you sure always
0: my- learn you learn like okay that area is not good okay i locked up three deals in that crappy area let me not do that again and it was such yep. a hard difficult process learning the market and learning where to you can do all the hot zip codes that you want but sometimes you have to actually get in there and learn the markets yourself and yeah that, you can do like i would say like richmond virginia could be kind of like phoenix and vegas to where everybody knows their property is worth a lot. But yep. because it's a smaller market, if you learn the market, you might be able to find deals. Whereas Phoenix and Vegas, it's very tough no matter who you are because there's so many people with so much money who can overpay. So it's just mm-hmm. learning those things and learning different markets kind of helps you learn about real estate in a whole and like a national market and learning. Now I can go into any market and figure it out quickly.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the things that you say, which is very key, Tadi, is you learn by doing, not by just sitting, reading, trying to figure it out, but it's actually having those phone calls, talking to those people. And somebody, if you make an offer and they quick to jump on it, you're like, well, you know what, let me research this market a little, (laughs) this area a little bit closer, because that was a little too easy. And then by building those relationships with the title companies and the contractors and everything like that, they started giving you the scoop on where to be, where to go. And that's one of the things that I always love about when you're doing virtual deals is having those relationships with the people that are on the ground because they'll educate you and they'll teach you and they'll let you know, hey, it's a lot of buyer activity over here. You should probably focus over there. And one of the things that I used to, oh, that used to be so mind boggling is, well, if you know all of this, why don't you do it? Why don't you do the yellow letters or do the phone calls or do the text messaging? But some people just don't want to put in the work.
0: For sure, for sure. A lot of people yep. don't. A lot of people. It's a lot of effort, man. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: It's a True. lot of effort.
1: So, <laughs> so we're, you guys so listening? So someone's listening right? There you go. Hit it, Mike. Hit it. Mike. Go right. ahead. You're going in the same direction <laughs> I was going. How do
2: we virtual wholesale? Let's let's just drop some gems for people. Like, how do I? Because the first thing, how do we? What market do I pick? You know the questions that get asked, right? I'm sure you oh, get it all the sure. time. How sure. does someone break into virtual wholesaling? Give us some some steps.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because I, you can literally do this day by day and win, right? Like day one, research markets, pick your market. And it shouldn't take you more than a day. If you're taking more than a day, you're probably overthinking it. Things you want to look at, population, population growth. Cash buyer count, which is something you can easily look up on a software like PropStream or whatever. Anything that Mm -hmm. you can get cash buyers from, you can see how many cash buyers there are in that market. If a city has 600,000 people, like you should have at least 10,000 cash buyers in there. There should be a healthy amount of cash buyers versus the population. If a city like uh, my hometown, Fresno, California, there's only 7,000 cash buyers and it's a pretty uh, big city. And I mean, California, I wouldn't Ooh. suggest anyway in general, but that gave me a, a quick idea that, hey, let me not pull this here because if I do find deals, I'm not going to have enough people to sell them to. So yeah. what you're doing as a wholesaler is you're providing a service to investors who are either going to flip or hold as a rental. So everything that you do has to be in a frame, right? So that's your frame when you're looking at what market am I going to pick? What deals am I going to pick? It has to make sense for someone who's either going to flip it or keep it as a rental. That's pretty much your only two avenues with residential real estate. So now you picked your market. I like the Midwest and the Sun Belt because the prices make sense for the rent. In Vegas or Arizona, you buy a house for $400,000. You can rent it out for $1,700. It doesn't meet the 1% rule. Doesn't make sense for people trying to cash flow. So I just skipped that altogether because I want to be able to have flippers and renter buyers the renter buyers are the people who will pay a little more. So pick your market. Number two, establish your presence in that market. And that's as easy as joining Facebook groups like Arizona wholesalers, Arizona real estate investors, groups like that. AZ Rhea, like mm-hmm. you join these free Facebook groups and all you have to do is scroll and see who's posting the most. And you can quickly see who's actually doing a lot of deals in that market. And a lot of these people are willing to help you if you just say, hey, can you help me out? We can JV some deals. I'm marketing out there. They'll hop on a 15-minute phone call with you. And that's like the, the easiest route. I went the hard way of like, I'm posting on Craigslist talking to people who don't even know that much about real estate, but they know about <laughs> the city. So I'm learning mm-hmm. about the city and then I'm figuring it out. So this is like the shortcut to that agents who are in those investor groups will be a help because they're agents who work with investors. And then just looking at the deals that are being posted and seeing how many people are commenting on them. Because if a deal in a certain area is getting 20 comments and a deal in another area is getting two, I'll bet that deal with the 20 comments is in a better area to pull a list from. You can use a Zach Ginn or Max Maxwell's cash buyer list hack to figure out the hot zip codes to pull your first list from. Then you can use a hundred dollar software like whatever, Batch, PropStream, there's so many of them, Mm -hmm. or free one like PropWire and pull your first list, put it in a dialer. Dialers are a hundred bucks, 150 bucks a month. So I'd say start up, have like 500 bucks, get the list, skip trace it, put it in a dialer and free. You know, all the free scripts are out there. Get a free script and literally. Do you want to sell your house? How much do you want for it? And most importantly, try to get some kind of a connection with the seller. If you don't get any type of emotional connection, it's going to be very hard to get to the numbers part Mm -hmm. and have it go your way. So just trying to find some type of rapport with them, like, oh, you're a runner. I love to run. Or is that a baby in the background? Oh, how old is the baby? Or is that a dog in the background? Or things like that. I have kids, so it's easy for me to build rapport with people who have kids or grandkids. So I use kids a lot. And once you have a relationship, go to that same software you pulled the list from, find the lowest priced house in that area within a mile and just throw that number out. Like, because if it's the lowest price, like my first deal, there was stuff selling for like 40s and 30s, but I saw one for 15. So I threw out 15 and he said, yes. And that's how I got a $15,000 spread. They might say, no, F you, that's crazy. And then you can just say, I wasn't offering that. I was just telling you what I saw, you know um what do you really want <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what do you really want and then that's it you have a deal
2: you just dropped a good uh comp hack right there because traditionally it's like hey what's arv minus cost of selling profit renovation dah, 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 all the way down but no we're comping cash buyers right like you just look for those cash buyers in that area and that's what they're paying
0: Yeah, you you can't do that virtually because that formula doesn't work for everywhere. Like Cleveland, come on, 70% of ARV, you're going to get laughed at if you post a 70% of ARV deal. But Arizona and Vegas, all day. So you have to know your market. Mm -hmm. But because when you're first starting, you're not going to know your market, going with cash comps is very important.
2: Awesome. Good stuff. So Okay, so we got, now, now you found the lowest, you found the cash comps, gave it to the seller. They said yes. Then what do you do?
0: Then you send And then you send an agreement and an agreement. If you don't have one, there's so many free ones out there. And like, you know how they have the free, you Google free purchase contract or whatever. All you have to do is just copy the words like onto a doc. You don't have to buy it. You just have mm-hmm. to like read it and type it up. Like it's not that hard. People make it so much harder than it is. And an, and an agreement only needs to have the address, the people who are buying it, the purchase price. It needs to say and or assigned if you're going to sign it. And then some terms like a closing date and an earnest money amount. That's really it. It's I have a simple, like, eight, eight, one page, eight clause contract. And I've been using that same one. If it's in a more expensive market, I have like a sophisticated 12 pager because someone in Phoenix would like laugh at me for the one page. But Cleveland and those little Midwest markets, a one pager is smart. If the property is under 100K, like a one page is smart and simple, and they'll sign it faster. And then you use a software like DocuSign, PandaDoc is free. DocuSign has a free 30 day trial to send your first agreement they sign it. And now you have an assignable contract. Now all you have to do is go to those same Facebook groups and post the deal without putting the address, the zip code, the details, and some pictures. And people will comment on it, DM you, drop their email. And now you have people to start talking about the house too. And the next very important step is listen to the buyer feedback. Don't be the person that thinks this market that you don't know. If people tell you like, Hey, that's a bad street. If two buyers say the same thing, I'm paying attention Mm -hmm. to that.
2: Are you using those details to go back and renegotiate with the seller if needed?
0: If needed, yeah, if needed. But hopefully, because we did cash comps, we still locked it up low enough. Lock it up at cash comps and then sell it for the... So I always say this, but the mode. So remember like mean, median, mode, and range? The Mm -hmm. mode is the most often occurring number. So if I lock it up for 15, but I see on there... 30 30 30 30 24, 40 30, 30 30 I'm gonna market it for 30 because we're still in cash comparables but I'm marketing it at the most often occurring number. If there's okay. pictures it helps because you want to make sure it's an apples to apples condition but mm-hmm. if not you can't go wrong with the the mode. Don't go try to put it for the highest cash comp though because likely that's going to be like something that just needs to paint and carpet. And again, you want to try to figure out condition and do apples to apples if you can. But if you don't know, the mode is a safe number to go market it at.
1: Perfect. perfect, Good stuff, guys. So you you all should be taking notes because Tadi is giving you a lot of good information right there. Tadi, it was one thing that you said that I didn't want to overlook. You said, when I'm sending out a deal, I don't like to put the entire address out there. Why is that?
0: because people will it's public anyone can see that and then look up the seller and then be like hey this girl is wholesaling your house I'm a real mm-hmm. buyer I'll really buy yeah. it and then just <laughs> kind of cut cut you out which technically they can't because an agreement is legally binding but like when you're first starting you don't have money to file a memorandum you probably don't even mm-hmm. know what that is so like you just don't do it and you and want not only control that.
1: Yeah. You don't want the hassles either. Cause then that seller calls you and say, Hey, I got a call from somebody said that you're wholesaling my house. And they sent me the email or the picture or the link or whatever that you sent to your buyers. That's common. It happens. So guys listen to what Tati is saying. What I'm saying. One- oh no, go ahead. Yeah. Those to those
2: wholesalers or investors unsubscribe Right, don't listen. Turn the podcast off. Like that happens here in Phoenix. You blast a deal out. I had a deal where my when you build relationships or like you have your friends like, hey, move this deal for me. So you blast it out. It's always like twenty minutes later. Hey, Mike, guess what? Who called me? I got a couple offers on your property. It's they call my friend who's the actual owner who I'm helping wholesale the deal. It's so if you're that type of investor, you're not going to last in this business. Just find something else to do or change your ways. I
1: well,
0: know, it's, it's no it's you're so right and it's so funny because like one of my very first deals i had somebody go out as like my boots on the ground and he went and bought the house with a quick claim deed this is like i didn't even know what a quick claim deed was i didn't know you could even do that he bought the house for 500 bucks and then i i had a buyer and everything were in title and wow. um they tell me oh the property is sold to guess who the freaking jv the, the boots on the ground so that yeah. was like a big stab in the back and i totally called him out on it
1: mm-hmm. a year
0: later right because in that time i've like built up my brand i'm on instagram i'm on youtube like now people actually like me and care about me and are promoting me a year later i get a cash app and it was from him and it was like you're part of the deal and it was just like okay, no bad blood. I never talked bad about him anyway, because that's just like, whatever, maybe this is just a part of this industry and I just moved on. But I think that there's something to be said for having integrity and doing things the right way. I've been doing this for three years now. I've done everything. Like I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer and I don't want to do anything Mm -hmm. bad in my life anyway. That's a side note. So I think that has always made me do, but there's so many things you can do in this business that are wrong and lack of integrity. And I think a lot of people go down that path, but now three years later, guess how it's served me by doing things the right way. So everybody wants to do deals with me. People want to lend money on my deals. Like you will never get there. If you're a snake, people will talk about you. They'll hear that you're, you do things the bad way and you'll never be able to grow. It's like, why would you risk millions of dollars in your future for a couple grand now? Like, just don't do it. But a way to kind of prevent that too. in these Facebook groups is like, I'll say things like I'm finding so many deals and here's, you know, a teaser on one of them and I'm open to JVing. So just let me know if you want a JV, like I'll put things like that in my post as well, because now those people who are snakes are going to see more value in Doing right by you. Cause they're going to be like, Oh, this person's open to JV and they have a lot of deals. Let me just work with them instead of, cause no one wants to do bad things. I think they just do it cause they think they have to. So if they see that you're somebody, a lot of investors can be very close tight. I'm not JVing anything and treat people bad, but if they see you're kind of open, they'll show their cards easier and just be like, Hey, I have a buyer. Can I market your deal? And they'll just be like, well, just give me like five days. I want to see if my, my immediate list will buy. And then if not, I'll open it up to you too. And then at least now they're, Letting you know this is someone who's going to market your deal, but they'll show their cards better. You, you catch more more flies with with honey, right? Or sugar,
1: mm-hmm.
2: whatever. You say. Man, <laughs> well, I was I was going to ask yeah. you wor- what your worst deal was, but man, sending a partner, a, a bird dog, so to speak, to go to a house and get a contract and them doing the deals pretty dang. So yeah, uh, good for karma you.
0: though. That house had like twelve thousand dollars of water liens on it. You know, Cleveland.
2: (laughs) You know, (laughs) Cleveland. Wow. So what was your worst deal? Crazy story. Just give us a crazy story.
0: So oh my gosh. So my worst deal that closed, or like it was such a almost a deal and it didn't close because of something crazy. Crazy story.
2: Entertain us.
0: Okay. Crazy story. (laughs) So I do land too, right? So I had this juicy, amazing land deal in Florida. And it was a $60,000 assignment. So I'm hype. I'm like, this is, this deal took 45 days to even get earnest money because we were actually selling it to KB Homes. So another huge thing, oh. like I'm selling a house to uh, a land to KB Homes. This is crazy. They're doing these environmental studies. I'm learning all of this stuff about development that I didn't know. So I'm pumped. There's like a Species of turtle that's going extinct, so they had to do some tests and make some plans to divide the land. So this is getting good. I'm like, oh my god, we're literally 10 days from close, 10 days from close, and this goes to having the right title company. The title company never got the seller's ID up front when we opened the deal in like November. Now we're in like February, it's been months that I'm counting the sixty thousand dollars in my bank account. Wow, the seller wasn't even the seller, it was a fraudulent.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh wow
0: so now the we don't have a deal and then kb holmes thinks that i'm a part of this freaking property. yeah you
1: need a scammer yeah
0: <laughs> so it was like oh my god i'm so sorry we had no idea and it's on the title company right because i don't get seller's ids ever i've never got a seller's id myself it's no. always a title company but and it was their title company so that was my kind of out like hey this was your title company. They were supposed to get the ID. Like this has never happened. And I'm really sorry. And I hope we can do deals. But they told me like they're pausing buying for a little while. I think they were just trying to be like F you in, in a way to me. Mm-hmm. But um, and now I have a DR Horton connect though. So.
2: <laughs> awesome. Good idea. Yeah. So okay, I have one know. So how are you approaching builders? Are you, is that something you're commonly doing or
0: so not commonly but when we find a land deal in an area that's being developed so it's so crazy how simple it is because you wouldn't think it was as simple but um you find their like usually they have an office there I was living in Florida for a while but even if they don't have like an office that you can walk into you can call and you can ask for their acquisition department And there's some companies like National Land Realty that buy a lot of land that are a lot easier to access. Dr. Horton and KB Homes, they might throw you in like a runaround like, "Mm, I don't know, we'll send you here, we'll send you here. But eventually you'll get an email or a phone number for someone who's connected to an acquisitions department and how they kind of work is like, they'll have this acquisitions person, but that acquisitions person is also kind of making a wholesale fee in a sense. So they're yeah. kind of trying to get it under contract from you at a price. And then they're selling it to ultimately the corporation, but they will like they're going to get it for 80. Right. We're going to get it from you for 70. And then you like, if you have it locked up for 30, that's your, your spread right there. Nice. Okay. They just take a very long time, like between three months to even potentially two years if it's a big piece of land. So I'd really rather find a local developer. And that's a little easier because you can just look on Zillow for mm. sale and look at newly built homes and just contact the agent and just say, hey, right. I see you're listing this newly built home. We have a lot of land if that guy's still interested. And if you have a good relationship with your title company, title companies will give you all that information too. There you go.
1: Cute. It's all about those relationships.
0: Yeah, and like this that's a strategy I like. I don't go for this strategy just because it's so time consuming and it takes a lot of effort. Like I would have to have a team just for that. But when we come across those type of deals, I know how to move them.
2: That's great. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the charge for this podcast, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <amazing>. Thank you. <laughs> so what's next, next for you, Tati? What's on the horizon? What's in your future coming up?
0: What's funny is like, I mean, I'm planning to move somewhere. Um, Because I kind of got obsessed with development and redevelopment in these last few years selling, like I sold 11 um, land deals in, in 2022. And um, some of them were commercial, some of them were res- residential, but building those relationships with builders and developers, I realized like, oh my gosh, there's so much upside in land. And it's so crazy. And I want to get in on it. So I want to move to Georgia so I can be a part of all the development of all the outskirts like Atlanta's so expensive and it's just like phew, booming out. Mm-hmm. So I want to be a part of that I it's I one seller that I talked to, all he did was buy land, and he bought a piece of land for $10,000. And like 20 something years later now he's an old man now but 20 something years later. He sold it for $3 million to this guy that was a part of, I don't know if it was Uber or Lyft or one of these like launches of some app. And he just wanted like this, all this land on a hill to build a house on. And he sold it for three point something million dollars, something he bought for $10,000. So it's like, I see. uh, And he told me like, if you're going to do anything with your life, do this. And it was so cool to, and that's the cool thing about this. You have so many older people that just want to advise you what to do with your Mm -hmm. life and being young and not really knowing what to do, it helps a lot. And I definitely want to get involved in land because that's the biggest upside in real estate is with land. So move to Georgia. I'm also like have gotten very into creating content and social media and just the people I've been able to meet because I got serious about making content. Like even the fact that I'm on this podcast right now is because I got serious about creating content and being creative with my content. And I've just found that I love it so much that I do, now that my wholesale business is like, we have people this year, I only had to find one buyer for all our deals. Like the whole system is like systeming. So I'm like, right now that this is kind of, yeah, the the business, I don't have to do every single thing anymore. It's crazy. But now that that's kind of getting to a place where I feel comfortable, I do kind of want to start of business around helping people build their brand and growing on social media and building like their social equity and authority and influence in their niches and especially people in real estate. So that's kind of something mm-hmm. that I'm just thinking about though. That's not a for sure, but I think I would, I'm passionate about that and I would have a lot of fun doing that.
2: So I wanted to, I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of my questions was, um, yeah, just for the real estate investor, how important, and maybe some tips like using Instagram or social media, just- Just for your brand, getting sellers, buyers, because I've gotten all the above through Instagram at some point. So how's that helped you? What are some things you do or someone can use to start?
0: Yeah, it's crazy because social media, I had my daughter in 2021 and I did $40,000 of JV deals in my own postpartum. I was not marketing. I was not closing deals. I was not finding, I was literally just getting leads from people on Instagram that they already locked up a deal and I'm putting it out and I'm able to sell it to my friends in Cleveland and stuff because of only because of Instagram. Like I I was able to create my own maternity leave. So I can't stress the value of social media. I've had so much more value from the relationships I've got because of social media than any deals that I've done. And I've done a lot of deals. So it's like deals, buyers, money there's so many people who want to invest into things and if they believe in you because they see that you're consistent the fact that i'm consistent in social media shows people that i'm consistent with my life you know and i have people that want to lend money and i don't even have a deal for them to lend on it's so cool like i didn't Mm -hmm. think that would ever be a thing in my life like people want to give me money like that's crazy but it's it's the reality when you're in someone's face all the time you become an authority it's so important. Like it's so much more important than the deals you're doing. And I know that sounds naive or like a lot of people are like, Oh, that silly social media stuff, but. but it's-,
1: it's true. It's important.
0: It's a multi trillion dollar industry. Like it's crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, consistent consistency. Like I love how you said it shows us how your whole life is around that. Familiar, you're being familiar, so people are gonna start trusting you. And you know what I mean? So it's just their guards are coming down because they see you all the time. You're consistent, there's a lot of good things to it. That's amazing. So it's definitely you did all those deals just off Instagram. That's amazing. Yeah. And you you meet
0: people who are like you. There's so many different personality types. Maybe somebody doesn't gravitate towards like my bubbly positive. That's could be annoying to some people. And some people like the like, how many people do like Andrew Tate? And he has such a controversial personality, but a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You're able to find your tribe when you're consistent with posting because you can just be yourself and there's going to be people just like you out there who want to do what you want to do. And they're going to bring all their deals to you just because you're like them. I have so many moms, single moms or black people or whatever that are just like, I've never Mm -hmm. seen anybody talking about what you're talking about that looks like me. So I want to get help from you. And it's just leading with giving like you guys are doing. You do this podcast. And you help people and I, people like me come on here and they give game that made them hundreds of thousands of dollars for free because it's like, if you know that I'm going to do this consistently, you know that I'm really doing deals. I'm not out here trying to sell Mm -hmm. a horse or anything. So it's just so much, there's so much trust in in people liking you that can be built, get serious about your brand and who you are, because in the next 10 years, social equity is going to be more valuable than real equity. I have like lead generation companies trying to pay me $10,000 to make a YouTube video. And I'm like, I'm not doing that because I don't believe in your lead service. Mm -hmm. But if I did, then that's a potential sale deal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's, think about, okay. You said someone's willing to pay you 10,000 to talk about their lead service, right? Which you don't even believe in. And you just explained how you got leads for free. For free, yeah. So you have to go buy a lead service. So, like just, <laughs> so go buy the lead and pay thousands of dollars or just do this for free and figure it out.
0: A hundred
1: percent. Well, Toddie, thank you so much. Yep. I mean, you gave a lot of information on today. You gave a lot of insight on what you're doing, what you're doing next and everything like that. How can people reach out to you via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or where can we find you?
0: Yeah, I am on all platforms at Toddy Virtual, T-A-D-I Virtual. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't know about Twitter anymore. Twitter's like X now or something. Yeah, I don't think X. I don't, <laughs> X. I don't, think, I, I don't think I'm continuing. <laughs> I, I think I'm good now, but on everything else, yeah. you can find me at Toddy Virtual.
1: Awesome. Okay, thank sounds you. great. Thank you for thank being you guys. here. This was so fun. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for another great episode of the Asria Show. You all know exactly what to do. Tida gave you some great information, some great tips. Get out there, pick the action that you need to take in order to be successful because no one is going to give it to you. You have to go out there and get it. So with that being said, as real, want to welcome you to share with us. Let us know. Give us some feedback on how we're doing. You can always give us a five-star review and reach out to Tida. She gave you her Instagram handle. Reach out to her and let her know the value that she brought to this episode awesome thank you so much
0: thank you guys bye
2: thanks for listening to the azria show with your hosts marcus maloney and mike Delprete. we hope you enjoyed this episode if you found this information valuable head over to azria.org and learn more about our community